let us uh, open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are asking that as the, as the word is being shared this evening, um, that you direct us and that you guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, so uh, today I'll give you a very, I don't know if I'll call it brief, but I usually say brief, then sometimes it ends up brief. Uh, I will give us a charge um, because I want to share something on um, the signs of a false move of God. Okay, now for those that are joining us first time or joining us newly, uh, I love to interact with people in in-call messages. So don't just be on the meeting, okay? Um, don't just be on the meeting but uh, not responding. Sorry about that. Yeah, so don't just be on the meeting, but then not responding. I want you to use in-call text messages to respond, to re-echo points, to re-echo humor, to re-echo what's blessing you. Because it helps us interact in the sense that all of your mics are muted, so I'm not able to hear you. The only way I'm able to hear from you is through in-text messages. So please don't keep quiet within the context of the meeting. If something blesses you, uh, we, we can resound that point if you feel the need to say amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Whatever fits the context at that time, let's interact with each other. That way, uh, I don't feel awkward, especially that I'm alone in a room. It's, you know, when you do these live meetings, it, 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 you can feel as though you are alone, okay? Anyway, let me save that talk for later. I'm sure you guys get it. Okay, so let's start with First Timothy, okay? First Timothy chapter number 4. And verses number one, we read this when we taught on seducing spirits. So I want to go to the next part of it. So I dealt with seducing spirits. Now I want to deal with the doctrine of devils, which usually leads to uh, uh, a false move of God. Okay. Um, so first Timothy chapter number four and verses number one, someone can put it up there for us, but I'll still read it ahead of everyone else. For first Timothy chapter number four and verses number one, it says, now the spirit speaketh expressly. Okay, that in latter times, some shall depart from the faith. I dealt with that. Giving heed to seducing spirits. I dealt with that. And the doctrine of devils. I didn't deal with that in, 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 in detail. Okay, now the spirit speaks expressly that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and the doctrine of devils. Now, it's very, very important for you to understand that uh, because I know we are talking about a move of God. So you may be wondering and asking me, uh, Pastor Cham, what do you necessarily mean when you say the doctrine of devils? And how does it necessarily relate to um, actually a false move of God? Okay. And I'll, and I'll explain that for you because it's very important for us to understand that every move that is predicated force or every move that we deem force uh, is hinging on a set of teachings that does not conform or agree with what is uh, standard according to the Bible. So when people give heed to the doctrine of demons, there's a high chance that the manifestation will be wrong. Okay, so when you have the wrong doctrine, you will have the wrong experience. When you have the wrong experience, uh, you will you will move into falsehood okay from falsehood you will move into error from error you will move into a way okay let me try and explain that again i hope i remember the order because i'm speaking it off the top of my head 
Wrong doctrine will give you wrong experience. Wrong experience will get you into falsehood. Falsehood will get you into error. Okay, an error will get you into a way. When you go into a way that is in error, what you actually discover is that uh, you will pioneer a way that others can follow. That's how some people have actually written books on witchcraft. Okay, there are some books that have been written on witchcraft, terrible books, that when they explain everything, you can read it and you are initiated into witchcraft. Because those people started first with a doctrine of devils, then from the doctrine of devils, they moved into the wrong experience. From the wrong experience, they moved into falsehood. From falsehood, they moved into error. From error, they moved into a way that they could actually now teach to others. When you've reached a place where, you know, you've reached a level where you can give a way to someone, okay? It's like what the Bible refers to when it's referring to the way of Balaam, okay? He got to a place where the practice that he had, he could introduce it to people and he could teach it step by step to say, if you want to do this, do this and this. The same way you ask, Pastor Sir, how do I learn to hear from God? There are people that have pioneered ways in darkness that they can teach someone step by step how to tap into a demonic realm. Now, in these times that we are in, there's a lot of stuff that is happening out there, a lot of people coming up, a lot of uh, people that are purporting to be men of God, women of God coming up, and it's so easy to be deceived if you don't have discernment, okay? And also, because uh, for Kingdom Come Church personally, we are a church that loves God, we are a church that loves the supernatural, we are a church that loves the move of God. So sometimes, in, a, in our quest for the supernatural, it's very important for us to begin to teach people how to navigate around the supernatural. One of the most difficult things, because I was listening to, um, I think some weeks ago, or a week ago rather, I was listening to uh, uh, a teaching, I think was an interview or something of, of some sort. Uh, they were doing an interview or a 20-year celebration of the Toronto outpouring, okay? Uh, which was also called the Laughing Revival. Okay, they did a 20-year anniversary, but it's, it's, it's been a while since that 20-year anniversary. So they were doing an interview, and in that interview, I think Bill Johnson or Randy Clark was asked the question, uh, what is one of the most difficult things to do in a revival? And he says, one of the most difficult things is to be a pastor in a revival. Okay, pastoring revival is one of the most difficult things because revival will sometimes go against the norm, okay, the normal way of things being done. Okay, but again, in the quest to things going out of the norm, they may go into error. So you don't necessarily know whether you have lost the spirit or you have moved into error. You're trying to stay in balance. Again, you're trying to stay yielded. Again, you're trying to stay safe. That is why many of the fathers, really, of the faith that uh, cut out revival or cut out the supernatural, it's not that they don't love the supernatural. For many of them, is it's because the supernatural is so difficult to maneuver around when it breaks out in a congregation, okay? I don't mean a Sunday where the supernatural broke out. I mean where the culture of the supernatural breaks out in a congregation. It's so difficult to maneuver around that, and that is why you find many of them that have been hit hard by the error that maybe may have happened due to a move of God have necessarily just cut out the move of God in totality. Like, you know what? We don't really know how to control this thing, so it's safer to just cut it out in total. It's not that they don't like it, but the idea of trying to strike a balance is not one of the easiest. We see that in the book of Corinthians also. Paul is trying to advise the Corinthian church on how 
they should still remain on fire by uh, allowing the gifts of the Spirit to flow through them. But then he's also trying to tell them how to maintain order. So when you read the book of Corinthians, which is one of the things that the Catholics usually argue about when it comes to speaking in tongues, uh, they use the book of uh, Corinthians, okay? And they use uh, some of Paul's writings and misunderstand them. Because even Paul himself, he sounds like sometimes he's saying, don't speak. Sometimes he's sounding like he's saying, speak. Uh, and the reason is because he was trying to maintain order. It's so difficult in a revival to maintain order. So even with this teaching, there is a lot more that the Holy Spirit will communicate to you. And the heart of everything uh, when it comes to developing higher discernment to discern between a genuine move of God and a false move of God, the best way to build discernment is actually be in a place where you're yielded to the Spirit. Because remember... In the early church, there were people that were using divination, witchcraft, and different types of sources to tap into the supernatural realm and give prophetic direction. Yet Paul rebukes them and casts out some of those spirits, okay? Because a prophetic word may be accurate, but the spirit inspiring that particular prophetic word is not necessarily of God. So we want to learn how then do we know these are signs of a false move of God. How do we know that these are signs of a false move of God? If you don't know the signs of a false move of God, number one, you may find yourself in one. Number two, you may find yourself pioneering one, okay? Because many times when we hear the signs of a false move of God, our thought pattern is usually structured around the fact that I'm so scared of being part of a false move of God. But many people who were scared of being part of a false move of God, that was not even their major challenge. They pioneered one, okay? So when you listen to the teaching, don't listen to it in the light of, ah, maybe that pastor is false, or maybe that church is false, or maybe this is false. Let the word sink into your spirit and rebuke you. Let there be a self-introspection within yourself. Because if you don't join one and you don't know how to discern, you may find yourself pioneering one. Okay, so we want to be very uh, sensitive on how we handle the teaching, and I'll give a lot of disclaimers as I'm going, but I want to give you the signs of a force move of the Spirit, okay? A force move of the Spirit. So let's begin, okay? Because I'm a pointer guy, I'm, 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 I, I, I can speak spontaneously, and I can go on and on and on, but I'm, a more, I'm more of a pointer guy. So number one, okay, because I want you to go back with some points. Number one, the first sign of a false move of the spirit is that it never gains wide accept, acceptance and momentum. It never gains wide acceptance and momentum. Okay, now, again here, you want to be very careful in the sense that in revival, not everybody else will agree with what is happening. If anything, most of the revivals are fought because of the manifestation that is happening in the revival. Okay? It's very important to understand that most of the manifestations will be fought. Many people will, not, will be wondering, when laughing under the power came, many people fought the idea of laughing under the power of the Spirit. Why are people laughing? Now it's a common experience. Okay? And it's gained wide acceptance. Okay? When uh, getting slain in the Spirit was a manifestation in the Maria Woodworth Etta times, in the Catherine Kuhlman times, when she restored it back again in the, 19, in the, in the, in the 1900s. Okay, again, people were fighting it, even though it was there previously with uh, the pe people like Maria Woodworth Etta. 
But when it came again with Catherine Kuhlman in the 90s, many people fought the idea of getting slain in the spirit. It was even worse in Maria Woodworth Etta's times because Maria Woodworth Etta would go into a trance of the spirit. She would go into a trance and literally she would be in a trance for three days and then would come out of the trance and continue her sermon from where it ended. So if the last sentence I said was, she would now go into a trance for three days, and then from that wars, she would now continue after three days without eating, just in the meeting and in the revival, just in a trance, okay? So now some of those experiences were actually fought, but in times, uh, as we started to move forward, um, it, the experiences started to gain wide acceptance. Now, in a move of God, one of the things you want to note uh, in a forced move of God is that uh, the experiences or the doctrines in the move of God have not gained wide acceptance amongst spiritual authorities, okay? People we regard as fathers in the body of Christ. For example, there were people like uh, Bob Jones, okay, in times past uh, in, in, in America, people like Rick Joyner, okay, who's still alive. Okay, those are people that were highly prophetic. For example, if for, Bo for Bob Jones, if Jesus visits you, Bob Jones will know that Jesus visited you. He will call you and tell you, oh, Jesus visited you. There was one time uh, Jesus visits uh, Rick Joyner. And uh, can I share some of these stories, especially that I'm trying to address a move of God. So I'm trying to use a more contemporary move of God. Okay. So uh, Rick Joyner has this encounter where Jesus visits him. And when Jesus visits Rick Joyner, he now... Uh, he now speaks to Rick Joyner about his assignment. He tells him, you're going to have a church and you will build a church um, in the, what, what's this, in the Moravian Falls. Okay, but the exact location of the building, go and of the, of the land you are supposed to buy, go and ask Bob Jones. He's the one who's going to tell you. Now, Jesus encounters Rick Joyner. Jesus visits Rick Joyner and tells Rick Joyner to go and ask Bob Jones of the land that he's supposed to buy. Okay, so now Rick Joyner decides to say, well, I will not tell Bob Jones that I met Jesus. Okay, uh, I will just, I'm trying to test if really this guy knows that, you know, Jesus visited me. So they talked that night and Bob Jones didn't mention anything. But later on, Bob Jones calls Rick Joyner again and says, um, the, uh, last night I saw that the heavens were very stared. Like the heavens were very stirred. I saw that in the spirit. The heavens were very stirred. There's only one thing I know that stirs the heavens like that. Jesus visited a man. And then he keeps quiet and he says, wait, did Jesus visit you? And then that's when Rick Joyner opens up and says, yes, Jesus visited me. And he told me that I'm to build a church in the Moravian Falls. And you are to tell me the exact location of the land. So there were people that uh, encounter God in such a way that they become custodians of moves of God, they become custodians of prophetic happenings. For example, when uh, Michael visited uh, Chris Vallotton, when he was having a lot of, you know, demonic manifestations and he was having bad dreams. So the man of God keeps having all these bad dreams, keeps having all these bad dreams, keeps having all these bad dreams. And, you know, so uh, Rick Joyner, I mean, Bob Jones tells Chris Vallotton that, you know, when you have problems, I'll call you, okay? So he later on calls uh, uh, Chris and he tells him, are you having, you know, problems with, you know, a lot of bad dreams? He says, yeah, I've just been in a bad place. I've been having a lot of bad dreams. And, you know, um, a lot of strange things are actually happening 
in my life. So, okay, then Bob Jones says, okay, great. Uh, you, I, I can't remember the story exactly, but he's t telling him, okay, uh, did anyone visit you? Like you were visited by, by an angel. Okay, was he, did he look like this? He describes this. Did he wear, you know, uh, this type of outfit? Yes. Did he have a mean face? And Chris Vallotton says, yes, he actually had a mean face. And Bob Jones looks at him uh, over the phone says, yeah, that's Michael. He's always in a bad mood. <laughs> uh you know uh and 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 so he 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 knew that people were having experiences you know so there were people in the body of christ that god makes custodians to know when something is about to happen in a generation the bible is clear when it says god does nothing except that he reveals it to his servants the prophets so now in a first move of god one of the signs you would discover is that there, the, the, when a move of God has not gained wide acceptance amongst spiritual authorities, it's very cardinal for us to realize that there are certain things that will be happening and our fathers are not endorsing those things. It's very important that you check with some of the fathers in the land. Do these fathers agree with this thing? Do these fathers see that this thing is okay? Because sometimes we can be so excited with the new thing that is coming when in actual sense, it's a false move of the spirit. It's a demonic manipulation and the fathers have already tapped into heaven and they've seen that this is not in line with God. That is why when what, that Nigerian guy, the guy that was kicked out of Zambia, what's his name again? The guy that was kicked out of Zambia, when that Nigerian guy was busy doing all those things, everyone was excited. And I saw a post by Onwebantu when there was a report that actually said that the guy had turned water into wine, okay, something like that. And then, you know, I saw a lot of people commenting. Of course, there were critics uh, of, 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 of genuine Christianity, but there were also people that are part of that congregation that were saying, oh, man of God did it. Oh, man. And even some of the Christians today that I know are on fire for God, they were commenting and saying the move of God, the move of the spirit. I don't know if you've seen that memory. The memory comes every once in a while. If you commented there, go and delete your comment. Okay, many people were commenting there and saying, wow, this is a man of God. Even Jesus would do these things. But very few of the fathers endorsed that move of God. Despite the fruit happening, the way in which that fruit happened was not in line with God. Okay, so some of the fathers spoke against it. And many of us thought our fathers are just cold. They are not spiritual. Why isn't this bishop supporting this? Why isn't that bishop supporting this? They had seen. And later on, only when time moved on, that we realized that this person was actually uh, not of God, okay? This person was not, not actually of God. So when you notice that certain things are not receiving a wide acceptance where spiritual authority is concerned, that's the first sign, okay? Many of the fathers are saying for this, no, for this, no, for this, no, for this, no. You, you ought to be very careful in how you engage in it. Now, I want to give a disclaimer again to say not every time will a move of God be given major endorsements. But with time, many people will come on board as God will speak to them and as they yield to the spirit of God. Okay, it's very important. So a lot of the things that actually happen that are false will not gain wide acceptance and momentum, especially with spiritual authorities. Okay, very important that we say that. That's number one. Okay, the second way, the second sign of a false move of God, okay, is that it only appeals to non-conformists, okay? It only appeals to non-conformists. 
that's a sign that that move of God may be possibly fake. When it only appeals to people who are non-conformists. What do I mean by that? Excuse me, what do I mean by that? People that are non-conformists, people that always feel me, the church does not understand me, you know, um, me, I can't be part of a church. The church doesn't know what it's doing. People that don't conform, you find that the only people that are attracted to that particular move are people that are rebels, people that don't go to church. They don't submit to any spiritual authority whatsoever. Those are the people attracted to that move. You know, the people that are, you know, having a lot of uh, strange traits, you know that that move of God is highly likely to be false. Why is it that it's only appealing to people that are non-conformists, people that don't conform? That is why you find some of the teachings, some of the teachings, for example, that are, are trending online, okay, that start with the false doctrine. For some of you, you read a teaching, uh, remember, I think, during COVID times, I think uh, um, one of our fathers in the land spoke and, you know, was encouraging people to actually uh, pay their tithes during a pandemic. And I noticed a lot of people thought that, if anything, he was actually speaking to help the people because when you partner with God in divine covenant, your resources are secured. But many of the people fought that a lot. They fought it a lot and they said, no, this tithe thing should not be paid. Why should you pay tithe? Why should you do this? Why should you do this? And a lot of people were speaking against it, speaking against it, speaking against it. And some of the believers that are committed to church decided to join those non-conformists and they had a false doctrine that had a mini movement during that particular period. Now, you have to understand that why is it that the message of uh, you know, the message of, of, of actually not tithing appealed to a lot of people that are non-conformists. Have you noticed that when the issue of not tithing comes, you know, or tithing comes, you will discover the people that are against the issue of tithing are non-conformists. Many of them don't even go to church. And many of you have been advised by people that don't go to church. He'll write an article and say, don't give tithe. People just steal money. People just do this. All these pastors, they just want to steal your money. And, you know, they have a lot of people following them. Yet in themselves, they find you find that those people don't go to any church. They can't even remember the last time they were in church. And then those are the people that you find false teachings who appeal to. Why? They are non-conformists. Okay, non-conformists. Uh, you know, a lot of things actually happen when it comes to some of these things. It can be a teaching on that particular sort, uh, or it can be something just that is happening. For example, uh, one of my pastors shared a story uh, uh, in Bible school, and he was sharing a story, and he said something very interesting. He said, you know, as a pastor, and, and for some of you that are pastors or leaders in the meeting, you understand what I mean. He, he was saying, you know, as a pastor, there's always... Uh, attendance is fluctuating. If you are a pastor, you understand that, okay? Or if you serve in a church actively, you understand that attendance fluctuates. Sometimes you don't even know why the attendance is fluctuating. Sometimes you didn't advertise, but the place is packed, and you even wonder, how did they, you, don't, you can't even understand it yourself. Sometimes you advertise so much and you find people don't come. You don't even know why. Okay, sometimes people come and you can't even understand. So there's, a, there's always a fluctuation in attendance. But he further on went by saying that even in the fluctuation of attendance, it's very important that to understand that sometimes as a pastor, you realize to say, okay, fluctuation is there. 
but this attendance is just bad i don't it's bad it's it's not even an issue to do with fluctuation the attendance is just bad so the pastor actually goes to church now he's explaining his story he goes to the church and when he went to the church uh he discovered that the church only had about five people this is a church that sits 100 plus people he found that the church on a sunday service had five people so now the people that were there they're also passionate you know they're excited and they're excited five people in a church of 100 plus people so he now the pastor now is shocked you know you could continue as a pastor but he says ah no let me ask so he now asks where are the people so someone tips the pastor and speaks to him in the ears and says well pastor uh there there is another congregation around the 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 neighborhood so oh, okay and that's where people have gone and the person that is leading that congregation is from this church now this is someone <laughs> this story is sad okay so he now go says okay seeing we are just five let us go and join that congregation seeing the person that has started this congregation is a member from this church then he now goes and he finds the person that was leading that congregation is his chief intercessor the guy that he told that he would actually be a pastor under him that is the guy that opened a branch not far off in the same neighborhood he had just found a house somewhere where they were gathering he didn't tell the pastor that another congregation had started with your members he started another congregation with his pastor's members okay and the the place was packed he was prophesying to the people and when the pastor walks into the building listen listen to the level of disrespect when the pastor walks into the, the, the that house where the, the 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 prayers were being done he sees the pastor and he says i want us to now welcome our man of god to our new branch <laughs> i don't know i don't know if people do surprise branches i know of surprise birthday presents but i don't know if you guys will ever <laughs> a surprise branch says let us welcome our man of god to our new branch now this guy that had done this to his pastor this is the same guy my pastor told the the the, the, the pastor him, himself told me in bible school he told me that this guy when i was done uh, with my wedding i gave him my wedding suit because when he came to this church he wasn't dressed properly he wasn't looking good but he loved the lord i told my wife i i treasure this wedding suit because it holds memories but this guy has been so committed so let me get my wedding suit and give it to him even his wedding suit he gave it to him yet this guy decides to branch out with not just half of the congregation with more than half of the congregation and opens a surprise branch which the pastor only discovered on that particular sunday now when now here is my point the point is that when the pastor noticed the people that were in that congregation that we are part of what was referred to as a move of God, you know, a move of the spirit. Many of them were non-conformists, the people that joined that guy. Those were people that hated the pastor's wife. They hate the pastor himself. They always gossip about the pastor. They always talk about the pastor in a negative way. They always say all these bad things. The non-conformists, they are the ones that felt we've been hating this church. So they were the ones that decided to actually join this particular congregation 
a lot of strange stories. So when you see that in a move of God, many of the people that are in that move of God are non-conformists. You can't trace their spiritual heritage. You can't, uh, you can't necessarily see that they respect men of God or they respect fathers of the land. You notice that uh, these people, they're typically non-conformists. They have everything against the church. They feel they're being misunderstood. They feel they're always rejected. They feel they're always dejected. They, 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 they have a special motivation in the background. Okay, so <laughs> what is Helen saying? I guess he even wore the suit the pastor gave him. <laughs> so when you notice that the move is appealing to a lot of non-conformists, it's a sign that that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Okay, false doctrines always seem to be surrounded by people that are rebels, people that are running away. Those are the people that will always be uh, uh, find those false doctrines appealing. Okay, it's very very important that you understand that. Okay, so when you notice a move is appealing to many people that are non-conformists, it's very important that you understand that there's a high likelihood it may be false. Okay, but you also have to be discerning because some of the things that God would genuinely begin to do may not be. Uh, conforming okay not many people may conform it's very important to understand that like Martin Luther not Martin Luther King but Martin Luther the German reformer okay you understand that Martin Martin Luther uh, the, the German reformer in the reformation when he stuck was it the 95 thesis uh, and I always share this remember with the Catholic Church there was a lot of teachings that were not in order. So Martin Luther picks a hold of these teachings after reading the Bible back and forth. On one big Sunday, Martin Luther writes and, you know, uh, uh, decided to write a 95 thesis and he goes to church on one big Sunday. He nails the 95 thesis on the wall and he addresses all the things that the Catholic Church was doing wrong. In that particular time, no one conformed to his teaching, but it brought about the Reformation. One of the things Martin Luther addressed was the selling of things like sacraments, you know, things that were holy. Uh, remember that in, 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 in pre-Reformation time, let me give you a bit of church history. This is Bible study. Okay, this is church history study. So be, be, be alert. Remember pre-Reformation, People were, the Catholic Church had a project to build uh, a big cathedral. So in the, in the bid to raise money, they hired a guy called John Tezel. Now, John Tezel's job was to raise money for the Catholic Church to build that particular auditorium. So one of the ways in which he was raising money to build that particular auditorium or cathedral was that he was selling what was referred to as certificates of salvation. Okay, so if you sin today, he can sell you a certificate of salvation. If you plan to fornicate next week, he will sell you a certificate of salvation. He would sell certificates of salvation for uh, people that were even dead already. He'd say, oh no, if your auntie died, your uncle died a long time ago, they never gave their lives to the Lord, you can buy a certificate of salvation and it will cover them. If they went to Hades, they will be delivered from Hades and sent back to heaven. So he sold all those things because people were living pagan lifestyles. Many of them bought those certificates of salvation and they raised money and they built their cathedral. That was one of the things that John Tezel was tasked to do. But when Martin Luther began to address these things, he stuck a thesis on, on the wall of the Catholic Church on that particular big Sunday that addressed these things. He addressed that salvation was by grace, okay, and not by works. He addressed a lot of things. He, he addressed uh, 
the issue of uh, intermediaries. He said, you don't need to talk to God through uh, a priest. You can talk to God directly because the veil has been torn. So you don't need to go through someone. You can talk to him directly and have a personal relationship with him. He addresses another thing they call sola scriptula, which if you can look up, which is to mean uh, scripture alone. Another thing he addresses is sola gratia, which is that we get saved by the grace of the Lord. So when that move of God came, not many people conformed, by the way, but with time, many people understood that this was a genuine reformation after the invention of the printing press and many Bibles uh, were distributed because in those times, only the priest could hold the Bible. So whatever the priest is saying, that is authority. Not everyone had the Bible. But after the invention of the printing press, Martin Luther uh, had a lot of Bibles distributed and many people awoke. So sometimes a move of God will require time because sometimes not many people will conform. Okay, but when it's been a prolonged period of time and you discover that the people that are appealing to the move are only non-conformists, there's high chances it's a false move of God. Okay, let me not go into the this church history stuff. Okay, so, um, whew, praise God. So the third sign of a false move, are you being blessed? I know I'm giving you some church history. I love church history. It's It was my favorite course, I think in second year or so of Bible school and I, I was always stopping the class in my church history, church history one, church history two. Uh, I, I was just on top, not to brag, but I was just on top because I loved it genuinely. And there were other things that were not so easy for me also. Yeah, but church history was one of those things that was easy. Okay, so great. Uh, the other thing, the other sign, okay, the other sign of a false move of the spirit is that there is an emphasis on extremes. There is an emphasis on extremes. There is an emphasis on extremes. When you notice that there is an emphasis on extremes, it's a sign that this is a false move, okay? You see why it's so difficult to pastor in a revival? Because a revival will have extremes when it comes to the move of the Spirit. The early church was deemed drunk when they... Uh, when they got filled with the Spirit, uh, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter number 2, the early church was deemed drunk, okay? But it's important to also understand that in a move of the Spirit, when there's a high emphasis on extremes, it may be a source um, of error. When people are constantly emphasizing on what the Bible does not emphasize, okay? It may lead to error. Now, the enemy knows when people are hungry for the supernatural. So when people are hungry for the supernatural and the enemy cannot quench that hunger for the supernatural, one of the things that the enemy will do is that he will pervert that hunger for the supernatural. Many of the people started genuinely with a hunger for the supernatural. Now, in the bid to overly emphasize what the Bible doesn't emphasize, many people went into error. Okay, because they were trying to amplify what the Bible does not amplify. Sometimes you will discover that there is only one scripture that is addressing something, okay, or one verse. Okay, I think, I don't remember who said this, but one theologian said, there are certain verses that you just read and they are there. There's no revelation, just leave it at that. Don't try and generate revelation, okay? Some people will write an entire 365 book on a guy like Methuselah, who the Bible only has one verse on, 
Okay, now of course there's insights you can share on Methuselah and I've shared some, but sometimes trying to overly emphasize what the Bible doesn't emphasize can lead to error. Okay, you, you will find yourself in a place where you, you, you are trying to address certain things that are mystical when in actual sense you can address the scripture in simplicity and it generates the supernatural. Another extreme may be extremities to deal with manifestations of the spirit. Okay, people become extreme with manifestations of the spirit and they begin to do certain things that are outside alignment. For example, uh, I know of different strange manifestations of the spirit. I've seen a lot. I've seen oil manifest uh, in people's palms. As you know, I've seen that happen in meetings. I've seen that happen in conferences. You know, I, I've seen a lot of strange stuff. Okay, that's. I, I'm telling you, it's it's so difficult to navigate this one because in a in a genuine move of the spirit, the the experiences will be strange. But in as much as the experiences are strange, please. Don't make the experiences doctrine, okay? And I think this is where we need to strike the balance. For example, if you were in a meeting and God dust appears, I've seen that happen in genuine meetings. God dust appears on your palms. There's one day I was sleeping and I found God dust on my bed and on my palms. If that begins to happen, don't make it a doctrine. There is always an error to make, um, okay, let me see what, uh, Aaron is saying, it's my first time being here from the time you say speaking. I felt a presence come on me and it's moving over me all this while. A friend once told me you are a man who attracts God's presence when you preach. And that intrigued me. Tonight I'm going to call him and testify of the same. We thank God for that, Aaron. Uh, the Lord be with you. Okay, great. So it's very, very, and I sense the a presence of God as well, by the way. Um, where was I? <sighs> Praise God. Um, I've been getting drunk in the spirit from last, from yesterday's session. It was just amazing in the workers training. We just had an awesome time where God was doing something amazing. Uh, anyway, when people begin to emphasize extremities, okay, it's very, very important for you to understand that there's high chances that that particular move may move into falsehood. It may have started genuinely, but when you start to emphasize extremities, there are certain manifestations you should not even dare teaching. I remember when Bill Johnson at Bethel Church, I think they were singing Our Father. I think that was the first time a glory cloud appeared, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a glory cloud appeared. There was a thick glory cloud. You know, then at a certain time, uh, feathers of, you know, angelic feathers began to fall in their church that they had to hire someone to actually check the roof and see if there were birds in the roof or there were things in the ceiling that were actually causing those feathers to fall. And they found none of that was actually, uh, none of that was, yes, the 2012 one, George, none of that was actually happening. Okay. It was a genuine move of the spirit when it was Jeremy Rido and Stephanie Grenzinger. You're right leading in worship. Now, when that particular move happened, Bill Johnson was called and he was asked to explain, what is this? How do you explain this? He says, even me, I can't, I don't want to teach on it. I just know that God is doing something. All I know is how to preach the gospel. And when manifestations happen, I don't teach them and make them into doctrine. Many people have started whole ministries on one experience that was not supposed to be an experience where they were supposed to actually establish an entire ministry. You see feathers fall and you say, we are the feather church ministries. 
Many of the people, for example, the, the, the for example, the uh, like for example, when people say the, the the Toronto outpouring, which was also called the Laughing Revival, it was not the people that named it the Laughing Revival. Okay, the people that were leading that didn't name it that. The people that named it that were people that were watching on the outside. So if people name you that, that's okay. But you don't establish it and say Feathers Church, you know, or Glory. Uh, god dust church don't do that okay so some experiences are strange for example there's been people that in the scriptures trans relocated or bilocated to a place where the god allowed them to go and preach the gospel okay philip was one of them okay that that happened to in the book of acts but you discover that it was never taught by the apostles as doctrine to say this is you know the three realms of translocation so if you want to translocate go into a toilet somewhere you preach preach it doesn't work like that it's not something you teach as doctrine if it ever happened to you allow it to happen to you and forget never begin to teach it and say these are the three steps to trans relocating so if you want to trans relocate of course there are certain things we can teach like hearing god seeing in the spirit why because they are taught in the bible but there are certain experiences that are peculiar that you can't teach them if you begin to devise strategy around them you will move into extremity and excess and in most cases that will lead into error many of the move of god did not necessarily start as, as force they only became force when people began to emphasize on what the bible does not emphasize there was a move i was seeing and people were saying this is a move of the spirit we are seeing so many you know don't Let me tell you this about supernatural encounters. Don't pursue supernatural encounters. Now, I know you can desire them, okay? I know you can love them. I encourage you to do that. But don't pursue them at the expense of your relationship with God. Pursue God and supernatural encounters will be the byproduct. When you pursue encounters, you will get encounters, but you may not like what you will get. I'll say that again. When you pursue God, encounters become the byproduct. But when you pursue encounters at the expense of your relationship with God, you will have encounters, but you will not like what you will encounter. Even meeting a demon is an encounter. <laughs> uh, okay. So you have to be in a place where you don't necessarily, uh, you know, get to a place where you start to emphasize on things the bible does not emphasize on you know i've, I've read of stories uh i've read of stories of uh how that you know many people began to uh have strange you know we we we, we, we love angelic experiences i teach on angels I, I minister with angels in most almost every time when i minister there's angelic presence sometimes i'll mention it sometimes i don't sometimes i'll see them sometimes i won't sometimes god will tell me sometimes i'll sense their presence sometimes i'll just know how many they are but i now heard a story sometime back and someone was telling me say ah there's a revival happening here i said what is the revival they say ah you know we're having angelic experiences i said what are the angelic experiences they said, you know and we're having such angelic experiences that you know they they are now teaching what people were referring to as angelic possession someone will say they'll call an angel say angel come into me <laughs> and they say oh michael has entered me and then i'll change the voice and say michael is now saying and then they begin to give a word of the lord to the friends that's not in order okay it's it's not in order 
you're laughing. These things happen. Okay, these things happen. Another will say, no, there's a move of the spirit. I've, you know, because I love revival, I've also read other books that caution me. Revival will be extreme, but you also need to be very, very careful in revival or else you might apprehend the first move of God. I have read of strange experiences and I pray, Lord, I love you so much. Lord, even as I'm pursuing revival, and that's one of the prayers we'll pray at the end. One of the things I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> You are laughing at my, Michael has entered me. Okay. It happens. Say, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's now entered me. Say, ah, oh, Michael is now speaking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One of the things we'll pray is because you, because I share these stories and many of you may be scared and say, I don't want to experience the move of God anyway, anymore. I just want to be safe because I've heard people say this, you know, that's why we have stuck to traditional churches. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Say, this is why, we, this is why, uh, you know, this is why we have now stuck to traditional churches because all these Pentecostal churches, there's a lot of strange things happening. You've heard that saying before? Yes, people say that, but that should not be the excuse to not experiencing revival. We should cry out for revival, but pray that God would keep us sane in a revival. Okay, so we'll be, we, you can't say, oh, that's why you will backslide. And you will find that demons will torment you either way. Okay? So don't say, no, no wonder me, I just went back to traditional churches that refer to a prophet. No, the prophetic is there. The manifestations of the spirit are there, but they must be in alignment with God. Okay? They must be in alignment with God. So I, I, I read of another move and someone was saying, no, you know, there's a move of the spirit. I, I was reading a, a, an article and, and people were describing a move of the spirit. They said it was a move of the spirit, but it wasn't. And some of the fathers in the U.S. spoke and said, this is not a move of the spirit. It will only take some time and you will know this is not a move of the spirit. Others were like, no, you are just against this thing. You are just against this thing. The guys were emphasizing on extreme manifestations. They just wanted to see extreme things. They didn't like simplicity. They just loved extreme things. They were searching out extreme things until now a manifestation that was strange started happening. People like blood would come out of people's skins and they would say, it's the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and I wondered and I said, didn't people see this? The reason is the people were given to extremities. Okay? They were given to extremities. <sighs> you guys, you should read a lot of these things, okay? There's revival genuinely. There's also false moves of God that hit the face of the earth. And they don't go anywhere. They just die out and then resurface. Die out and then resurface. They are like Ponzi schemes, you know? It will go in a different name, come in a different name, uh, oh no, there was uh, WhatsApp pay, now there's this, there's E-Tesco, e E-something. Uh, let's not go into all those things. Many of you and many of us have been victims in the quest to generate quick income. Okay. Um, okay, let, let's move. So there's an emphasis on extremities, okay? There's an emphasis on extremities. Okay, there's an emphasis on extremities. It can be an extremity in the prophetic. It can be an extremity in intercession. Some people start genuinely as intercessors, but if they are not submitted to spiritual authority, you will find that they will miss it 
in intercession, they will miss it in the prophetic. For example, there were people that have been prophesying. For example, uh, some people in California were busy prophesying with their last breath that God would strike California and it will fall into the Pacific Ocean any day from now. So people that are not in alignment with the will of God started going into extremities and saying, God will wipe away California and it will crumble into the Pacific Ocean. So for us to be safe, let us start get they, they, they are now saving cans of beans okay saving cans of beans to say when god wipes out california this is the beans we'll be eating in our safety times so all of you are not uh, are not aware that god is about to wipe out california now i don't even know where they'll be eating the beans from if god wipes it out but they are doing it they are stacking beans in their basement they're saying we need to and a lot of canned foods so that they can be safe when god wipes out california extremity Okay, <laughs> extremities, there's extremities, an emphasis on extremities. It's very, very important that you notice when people are emphasizing extreme things that there's high signs, it's a false move of the spirit. Okay, uh, where are we? That's number three. Number four, the fourth sign of a false, um, the fourth sign of a false move of the spirit is that the source and character of those involved is questionable. Yes, Musonda, in 2000, people said um, the world was going to end. And people sold a lot of their properties, sold land. Um, there was an emphasis on extremities, okay? Emphasis on extremities. Let's, complete, let's quickly finish this thing. Um, okay, so the fourth sign of a false move of God is that the people that are involved in the move uh, have got questionable characters. So the source and character of those involved is questionable. The source and character of those involved is questionable. They are saying it's a move of the spirit, but you discover that they do all sorts of strange things. They are womanizers, sleeping with people's wives, doing all sorts of strange things. It's a sign that that's a false move of God, okay? Uh, it's a <laughs> must have been a very rough countdown. Yeah. <laughs> into 2021 yes i'm sure it was a very rough countdown for example there's something i sent past a gift i was reading a book before i go let me read it for you i know we are out of time um soon we'll be doing a revival course um of course it will be at a fee um and we'll just study revival but yeah let me see what did i send that to pastor gift oh my um okay <laughs> I didn't send it to him. Okay, it was something I had written on, um, a guy had written a book. He had written a book on the 88 reasons why the world is ending in 1988. And the joke is that the book was selling in 1989. <laughs> okay, he wrote a book titled the 88 reasons why the world is ending in 1988 okay and the book was selling in 1989 <laughs> yeah i don't know how you how do you sell the book after 1988 does it does, <laughs> okay um anyway um 
let us move. Okay, so the, the, the other sign that a move of God may highly likely, may, may be, uh, be forced is that the source and character of those involved are questionable. So we are saying there's a move of God, but, you know, people are not living rightly. They are not living in holiness. Uh, they are doing things that are strange. They are, they're not, they're not, um, they're not abiding to God. They, they, they womanize, they do a lot of strange things, they are fornicating. They, they are living in sin, typically, perpetual sin, and they keep saying that this is a move of God. Okay, there's high signs that that move of God is actually in error. Why? Because the source and the people that are involved, they have got questionable characters. Okay, that's a sign that that's a false move of God. Okay, uh, the other one I will mention is... The denial of fundamental truths, which can also have some uh, sort of extremities, okay? The denial of fundamental truths. When people begin, begin to deny fundamental truths, it's a sign that move of God is moving into error. Some start well, but move into error, okay? When there's a lot of extremities in, in, in denial in fundamental truths. For example, remember there was the grace, grace dispensation. The grace of God is there and we apprehend the grace of God. We love the grace of God. But there were people that were also extreme where the grace was, was, was concerned. They moved into extreme grace. You can sin however you want. God's grace will cover for you. You can do whatever you want. God's grace is there to watch over you. There's nothing that will stop you. The grace covers all. You don't need to fast anymore. The grace is there to cover you. You don't need to pray anymore. The grace is there to cover you. Why should you fast? Why should you pray? Pastor Chilombo, why do you fast much? Many of the people that told me, Pastor Chilombo, you are fasting so much. Christianity is not this hard. Many of them currently are living in fornication and sexual bondages and sinful bondages. Okay, you don't know why we do some of these fasts. We understand that this body, we, you know, it's like my, my, my friend would say this, you know, he's a pastor friend. He says, <laughs> So that's why even Paul now consistently brought his body under subjection. Why? Because when you think you stand, be careful lest you fall. Okay. Take heed lest you fall. So don't be in a place where you say it's a flesh tinapaya kudala. Many people that say it's a flesh tinapaya kudala, they, they got shocked how they found themselves doing certain things. They said, ah, but how did, pastor, it was the devil using me. No, you got yourself in the devil's territory and you were ensnared. Okay, so don't say flesh tinapaya. The flesh can shock you. This... <clears throat> You know, for the Bible, when it comes, that's why when it comes to sexual immorality, the Bible doesn't even say remain praying in tongues. It says it's not a, it's not an, it's, a, it's not a tongue issue. It doesn't say remain interceding. It doesn't say remain doing evangelism. It says flee away from sexual immorality. Flee away, run away, wutuka, because your body will respond in a way you will be shocked. You will say, ah. <laughs> Don't say I'm a pastor. Don't say I'm a man of God. Don't say I'm from a 12-hour prayer watch. You will be shocked how 12 hours of prayer will be compressed into five minutes of pleasure. And you'll be wondering, is this how I was supposed to channel this anointing? Anyway, let me leave that issue. Okay, so the denial of fundamental basics, okay? Fundamental basics of the doctrine, okay? Fundamental basics of doctrine. When people deny fundamental basics of doctrine, there's high chances that move of God is either moving into error or is already in error, okay? So when people deny things like the one true God or the trinity of God, um, 
when people deny the deity of Jesus, when people deny the virgin birth, they say, no, it wasn't the virgin birth. No, this one actually slept with this one. Then Jesus came. It's a sign that that is in error. Okay, when people de deny the death and physical resurrection of Jesus, these are some fundamental basic truths you can counter check. So if you want to counter check some of, the, some, of, some of the doctrines of people, check on these things. Do they believe in the one true God and the Trinity? Do they believe in the deity of Jesus or they believe Jesus was just some guy? By the way, do you know that the Muslims believe in Jesus also? Okay, they believe in Jesus also, but they don't believe he is God. They just believe he was one of the good guys that God used. Okay, he was one of just the good guys that Allah used or just one of the prophets that was a good guy. Okay, that's what they believe in. Okay, so they believe Jesus existed, yes, but just as a good guy that was powerful, he healed people, he did things, but they don't believe in the deity of Jesus. They fall into error there. So you have to check this. Do you believe Jesus is God? Okay, the virgin birth. Okay, or are they saying, no, this one slept with this one, then Mary gave birth? No. Okay, uh, the death and physical resurrection of Jesus, the un universal sin, uh, which is that we, we ought to give our lives to the Lord. Uh, there's, there's that salvation by grace through faith. This is a fundamental doctrine you should check. Okay, uh, the second coming of Christ. Do they believe in the second coming of Christ? Uh, the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. Do they believe in such things? Uh the, the Bible as, in, as, 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 the, as, uh, as being authority, do they believe that? Or they say it's just one of the books you can quote, okay? So let me, let me, um, let me give you some of the, the fundamental truths that people will actually run away from that, will lead, that you can know these are you know, erroneous statements, okay? I've, these, these are some that are existing. They're already there, okay? These are tabulated, and um, for some of us who are pastors, we have sent some of these and you're told, watch out for people that are giving some of these teachings. These people are in error, okay? Someone said giving your life to Christ is not sound doctrine. <laughs> okay, anyway, look out for some of these statements. Some will say, God could be female. No one can be sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why. That's why these are doctrines of devils, because I don't know why people come up with some of these statements. God could be female. No one can be sure. Another statement you watch out for, Christ wasn't sinless. He was married and was not the son of God. Some people have actually, I have seen, I saw on YouTube, someone actually has a teaching on the wife of Jesus, the children that Jesus had, you know, uh, the, type, the character type, and they give the three characteristics of, you know, the wife of Jesus and the, uh, okay. And they also say Christ wasn't sinless. You know, and many people that propagate this gospel are people that are living in error. When you begin to live in error and you are bound to sin, you will discover that bondage to sin will get you to a place where you don't necessarily see how people can live lives that are holy. So you will say, holy, Because you are living in sin, so you feel everyone else is pretending. That is why many people have come up with this doctrine and say Christ wasn't sinless. They are saying even him, he was sinning. Ah, serious, Pastor Cham. You know, some people will ask you such nonsense questions. You know, this is a doctrine of devils. Okay? Shouldn't be tolerated. <laughs> you know? Anyway, um, another statement that is in error that you should look out for. There is no literal hell or eternal punishment because 
a loving God wouldn't send anyone to hell. If you are not careful with this statement, you will die in hell. Don't experiment with your life on this one and say, you know, God is a loving God. Why would he send his children to hell? Don't do this. Okay? Don't do this. Okay? Don't do this. There is a hell. There is a heaven. Okay? Don't propagate this teaching. Many people have told no, God, God is a good God. Why would he send us to hell? And that's why they are living terribly. Okay? This is an, a statement in error. Okay? Another statement in error. These are the last ones I will give. Um, Christ isn't literally coming again because he has already come and he, and he is here now. <laughs> ah, people need to read their Bible. Okay? Yeah, another statement in error, we are all children of God, even those who don't believe in Jesus. No, we are not all children of God. We, we are not all children of God. Is it? <laughs> we are not the same. Don't say we are, we are not all children of God. Okay? We are not all children of God. Um, another statement in error, the Holy Spirit is just a force of energy in the atmosphere. No, the Holy Spirit is a personality. And I think Chimwemo did a very amazing job in handling this teaching on Sunday, uh, at, at the Women's Sunday. Um, yeah, if there's a recording, we'll find it. But if there's not, we'll equally find She did a very powerful teaching here. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a personality. Okay, he's God. So you can't say the Holy Spirit is just a force of energy in the atmosphere. No. Okay. Um, the last statement in error you should look out for. When people say the Bible has inconsistencies and was only created by man. The Bible has inconsistencies and was only created by man. Okay, this is a statement in error. So when, when people begin uh, to deny basic fundamental truths, basic fundamental doctrines, um, high chances is that that move of God has gone into error. So now, let me conclude with this. Oh, the last one is there's a lack of anointing. I'll not explain this much. When there's a lack of anointing, yeah, in high, there's a high chance because God will not pour out his, his, his anointing on a work that he's not doing. Okay, of course, there's what there's polluted anointings and stuff like that. I'm not going to eat. Uh, we'll do an, on, an online seminar, okay, uh, soon for those that want to get trained, especially those that have got that desire. So soon I'll announce that online seminar and, uh, yeah, um, seeing I'm Pastor Gift's friend, me and him think alike. So we, I may put it at 100 kwacha, but maybe for five days of just training. So bug me on it. I, I will forget. Just bug me on it and we'll do that online training, five intense training days. So bother me, bother me, bother me, bother me, bother me, bother me. And let's see if we can have it happen. Okay, so there's a lack of anointing, and the, sometimes the enemy pollutes the anointing. Okay, he will pollute the anointing. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes the enemy can pollute the anointing, but in most cases, when there is a lack of anointing, like a genuine anointing, it's a sign that that move of God or move of the Spirit is in error. Everything looks forced. There is not, you know, when the move of God is there, you will not force it. 
And that's why some people sometimes will ask me the question, Pastor Cham, how is it that you're just speaking and people are experiencing God? And I say this, I say this in all humility, it's because when the anointing is there, you don't need to force people. You don't need to push people, you know, say, come in, you know, and you push them and they go back with headaches and no, let's let's not let's not do that. Anyway, we'll, we'll kind of cover that. We may cover the anointing in the seminar, I think. Um, so for now, let let me leave that issue. Um, so I think one of the things I basically just want to explain is that uh, the reason why this teaching has come is that <laughs> you've been pushed before. Why are you why are you people laughing? <laughs> Just pray for the person. If they, if, they, if they receive something, they'll receive it. If, if they feel like falling, they'll fall. If they don't feel like, don't pursue the falling. Pursue the result. If they need healing, if they receive healing without falling, it's okay. Some of the greatest moves of God in church history, many of the people did not even get slain, but we saw like a lot of manifestations. If anything, the, 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 the phenomena or the manifestation of falling under the power was actually made more manifest in Maria's time, Maria Woodworth's time, Eta's time, and then kind of died out and then reinstated or revamped, as Johann would say, was more revamped or more pronounced in the Catherine Kuman era. Okay, so anyway, you, you don't need to do that. Just pray for people and pursue the result. If someone wants to get healed, Pray for their healing. If they don't fall, it's okay. If they fall, it's okay. Some people's anointing has got a manifestation that allows people to get knocked. Some people don't have that manifestation, but they still receive genuine results. Okay, so it's the result you want. You don't want to see someone fallen, but not healed. Okay? Uh, if you come to me and you want to get healed, you fall, but you and I get excited, but you didn't get your healing or your deliverance. I, I don't think that's, that's, that's to, to work with. Anyway. So what I'm what, the reason why I've taught this is this, that we we as a church um, and many of the people that are actually even visiting us here have got a hunger for the move of God. We we love God and we want to see revival, uh, but in revival, one of your strongest abilities to sustain the revival is consistent teaching. Okay, so some of these teachings have to come to bring some perspective, uh, because. God will do amazing things with us, but in the process of God doing amazing things with us, the enemy will also counter what God is doing, okay? The enemy will counter what God is doing. In the Reformation, remember when Martin Luther had the, uh, the Protestant Reformation, uh, the, enemy also, the people also countered uh, that Reformation by bringing in other interesting uh, teachings. So, the enemy will see that I can't stop this move, but I can counter it by bringing in something or placing some sort of impurities in the move. Okay, so we want to be very careful with those because I believe as a church, we will host a move of God. I know it for sure. I don't know, but I just feel that it's one of the purposes God has given Kingdom Come Church. We are not an ordinary church that's why even service we we've we refused to have church service ordinary but we also want to be taught when the move of god breaks forth in totality we want to be taught we want to know that is why sometimes we we'll have a revival revival people are getting slain then some sundays i'll just teach 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 and close my bible and go and you say but pastor Cham, we didn't we didn't no 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 because sometimes we need to learn 
And that's why these Bible studies are important to help us learn. And that's why I'm handling some, many of you like ministers. I'm not just teaching you, of, you will succeed. Of course you will succeed. You will make money. Of course you will make money. Okay, but I'm also giving you some kingdom teachings and kingdom principles so that you can be equipped for the move of God that is coming. Um, so let me just end the recording from here. Um, then I can pray and close. Okay.